Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of the Hype About Reviews with your two hosts, two men who love a fucking prawn. It's Bread Roll and JT. <laughs> I do love a fucking prawn, Bread Roll. I must admit. Um, yeah, we're not. It's weird, isn't it? Because there's a thing I read earlier that said something about like being derogatory, like the fact they're using the word prawn. Derogatory to what? Prawns? I don't know. Maybe they have feelings, but yeah, anyway, we are back three weeks in a row, um, so we've got the hat trick. It was my choice last week, Bread Roll, so as you alluded to, and we're looking at some prawns, so what is the film title? Well, you selected for us, JT, District 9, which was directed by Neil Blumkemp. Uh, it's produced by Peter Jackson. It stars Charlito Copley, Jason Cope and David James. Uh, it came out on the 14th of August 2009 in the United States. It runs for 112 minutes. It had a budget of 30 million and a box office of 210.8 million. So it actually did really well for itself. I don't even know this came out in the cinema. I just remember it coming out on Blu-ray out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't remember it in the cinema either. I mean, obviously, we were working for, for Game Station when this came out, which is where I think we both got the Blu-ray and watched it, as we said last week. Um, smashed the box office, didn't it? Absolutely came the box office. And, um, I mean, looking at the cast, they're all pretty much unknown, weren't they? Uh, Jason Cope apparently was in Dread. Uh, shameless plug, we've done Dread a few weeks back, or a few months back now. But I'd never heard of any of the other cast. Apparently, um, the main guy, Charlto Copley, was a friend, apparently, of Neil Blomkamp. And they, were, they went to um, film school or something together, and that's how they knew each other, but I'd never heard of any of the people in this film. Done about yourself? No, I hadn't, and I hadn't really heard much about the director, although he has gone on to be um, pretty good at um, his sci-fi movies, but he's been given the shaft loads because this movie was originally the Halo movie um, that mm. was being produced by Peter Jackson, and Neil Blumkem was the one who was going to direct it, and the budget started going ridiculous, so it got cancelled. But Peter Jackson, to be fair to him, he was like, I'm going to secure you a budget of $30 million. Uh, going to give you full creative control and script approval, just go and make your own movie, um, which is really decent. And even um, all the designs, like the prawns, the aliens and stuff, were all done via Weta Workshop, which are the ones who did Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's own studio. Um, so he landed on his feet a bit, and he's done a few films, but he's been given a shaft a couple of times because he was doing an Aliens movie, and it was going to be a follow-up to Aliens. It's going to have Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean back in it, and that got fucked over. He was going to do a sequel to Robocop, literally set the day after of the original Robocop movie and kind of recapture that Verhoeven style. And he got cancelled for that. And um, oh, there was something else he was doing recently as well that he got given the um, the boot for at the last minute. So he's had a bit of a bad time with um, franchises, but his own original stuff's pretty good. Yeah, I've seen that. And I remember us talking about him doing the Aliens film. And I think that would have been quite interesting because, you know, not without giving too much away, he did well with this. Um and yeah, fair play to Peter Jackson. I did see that all about the Halo movie and how it all went tits up. I mean, there's been a Halo TV series, hasn't there? Which was, oh, what was that on? It was on one of the weird papers. It was on Paramount. Or something. Yeah, oh, that's that. it. Did you ever see that or not? I didn't bother no, myself. The trailer, like, visually it looked all right, but apparently it was complete and utter crap. Like a lot of these things these days, like they just paid no attention to the source material and completely fucked it up. And I'm engaged to one of the world's biggest Halo fans, so there's no way we were going to watch it. She'd have, like, <laughs> fucking hit the roof. Like, we're just reading stuff about all, like, this, how they were fucking up the lore and the cat and everything that makes it Halo. And it's like, well, we ain't fucking watching this. It was going to be more kind of, like, 
crap. It's like Netflix when they did The Witcher and just completely fucked it up. It's like, how hard is it to read a book and follow the story? Apparently, it's quite hard when you work in the movie industry. Yeah, I thought Rachel would probably be totally anti that Halo series. I know how much she loves it. Um, yeah, I didn't bother either, to be honest. The trailer didn't really do a lot for me, and I wasn't going to pay for Paramount+. Plus. I mean, I think we said last week, um, we've only ever seen this film once, probably when it first came out on Blu-ray, so around the 2009-2010 time. But watching it back earlier, quite a lot of it came back to me, so it's obviously stuck in my memory. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, I was thinking the same because I was going into it and I was like, I do remember, obviously I remember the prawn thing because I've used that as, I, I still to this day, like even without watching it, always I mentioned the fucking prawns and all that stuff. But yeah, there's a fair few beats of this movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember this bit. I remember this character and sort of the flow of it. Obviously the the more intricate moments are completely like skipped my memory. But um, yeah, it did come back to me quite a bit as I was watching it. Yeah, speaking of that, without being, I don't want to be racist against South African people, not at all. Um me and um, my daughter's mother, we were at the Isle of Wight Festival years and years ago now, 2010, 11 time. And um, we made friends with this group of people that were camping. And one of them was a South African. And throughout the whole fucking festival, our mission was to get him to say, you fucking prawn. Um, <laughs> and on the last day of the festival, like we actually got him to say it. And it was just like, it was one of those moments where he said it in his proper, obviously he was actually a South African guy, so... He said it in his South African accent. It was amazing. I'm still, I'll say I'm still friends around Facebook. I haven't been on Facebook for about two years. I don't bother with my account anymore, but great guy. Um, yeah. So if we sort of say the words fucking bronze or whatever in this, we're not being like anything against South African people. It's just the way this film is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does get thrown around quite a bit, doesn't it? The old fucking prawn thing in uh, this movie, but um, it's quite a strong accent. So we'll see how we can do with this movie and um, let's take a look at the old synopsis then. So it's uh, coming from Wiki as usual and it goes a little something like this. So in 1982, a giant spaceship arrives and hovers over South Africa city of Johannesburg. An investigation team finds over a million malnourished aliens inside and the South African government relocates them to a camp called District 9. However, over the years, it turns into a slum Locals often complain about the aliens, derogatorily calling them prawns, after filthy, ignorant lawbreakers who bleed resources from humans. Following unrest between the aliens and the locals, the government hires Multinational United, MNU, a huge weapon manufacturer, to relocate the aliens to a new camp outside the city. Piet Smith, an MNU executive, appoints MNU employee and his son-in-law, Wickers van der Murray, a lead, um, to lead the relocation. Meanwhile, three aliens, Christopher Johnson, his young son CJ and his friend Paul, search a District 9 garbage dump for alien fuel in prawn technology, which Christopher has been has had them spend the 20 years synthesized enough to enact his plan. They finally finish in Paul's shack and the relocation begins when Wickis comes to the shack to serve Paul and notice. He finds the hidden container with the fuel and accidentally sprays some in his face while confiscating it. Paul is killed by Kubert Sventer, a cruel MNU mercenary. That's probably about a good kind of 20 minutes of the uh, the movie. It just kind of kicks off, doesn't it? It's like a kind of found footage movie for the most part. And it's like we get like loads of newsreels. We get introduced to old um, what's-his-face there, Wickus. Um, he's like being put in charge of the investigation. And again, it's very Verhoeven-esque with the way it sort of skips between sort of newsreels and bits and pieces and kind of tells you about the alien spaceship turning up and how everything sort of came about. What did you think of it? Yeah, I've got the same thing here, Brad Roll. Very Verhoeven-like. 
the intro. I like the way the news clips and that sort of interject with what's going on. I thought it was quite realistic the way it was done. Um, and sort of the the slum area of District 9 looks very realistic. And again, I don't want to sound derogatory to, to South Africa or whatever, but is this almost sort of um, not a political thing, but obviously South Africa has got its problems, hasn't it, with with racism and the slums over there. Is this almost kind of playing into that, that they're making the bronze um, kind of, I don't know, I, I don't want to sound, I don't want to open a can of worms, but the way they're in the slums, it's kind of like the way South Africa is at the moment. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I don't want to sort of start getting political at all, but um, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely some um some kind of mirroring of like, you know, like the aliens are like illegal aliens so much. Um I think it's um they did speak to a lot of the locals I did read about um how they felt about like when Nigerian refugees and stuff came to the country. Because there are Nigerians in this, they're like mm-hmm. crazy fucking voodoo people, aren't they? Um you've got some real crazy ass dude in the wheelchair who's trying to fucking chop people's arms off. But um I suppose, yeah, in some sense it's that kind of that satire approach that obviously used to get in some of the older movies that kind of do kind of like mirror real life kind of situations, but kind of put a twist on them. So yeah, there probably is something like that in the underlining of it. Yeah. I just got kind of that vibe watching it again earlier. I never saw it the first time. Um, It's quite funny though. They go to district nine and they're trying to get the aliens, the plants to sign these fucking forms for them to move. But it's like, they're going to all these shacks and they're like, yeah, can you sign this form? And these fucking aliens, are like, how are they going to even hold a pen? One of them just slaps it. He's like, yeah, that's good enough. That's his signature. Like, really? Are they actually going to be able to sign these things? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just that typical fucking government thing trying to move on, like, again, the poor people and everything, isn't it? Because it's like, they even say in one of the reports, like, this, is whole, this whole kind of, like, relocations and whitewash and everything. They know it's only... It's literally legal just from the, like, saying it's legal, but from the written word, it definitely isn't. But um, it just kind of reminded me of Star Wars. It's like, how the fuck do they all understand each other? Because the prawns don't speak, obviously, English or, like, obviously, human language. I don't know if they're supposed to be speaking South African and we're just hearing it as English because it's that type of movie or whatever the situation is. Um, But, yeah, the, the aliens seem to, like, understand what we're saying or that they can't speak it back. And it's like fucking Star Wars. Like, everyone understands what Chewie's saying, but he never speaks normal. Yeah, I, I've got that in my notes a little bit later on, particularly because Vickers, or whatever his name is, he's talking to one of them and the, the prawn's doing his thing back to him and he's completely understanding what he's saying. I'm like, okay, obviously I had subtitles on because I've got subtitles on Netflix now. They just seem to pop up and I haven't bothered to turn them off. They're quite handy sometimes. Um, and I'm like, how the fuck can you understand this, this prawn and how can he understand you? Yeah, it's just a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, and I will say, like, again, for a movie that's obviously quite old now, and I would, it's not exactly low budget. I mean, 30 million is not exactly a small amount of money. And these, like, more indie style directors certainly know how to make the money go further than all these fucking Hollywood dickheads these days. But there's some parts of it that look really, really good. And you can tell it was the Weta Workshop, obviously, the whole Lord of the Rings thing, because the visuals of the prawns up close look brilliant. But some of the actual wide shots, and there was quite a few of them, I thought they looked really ropey at the start. I was like, there's parts where I was like, fuck, this film's aged pretty badly. And then when it actually cuts to like the actual close-ups where they're interacting with prawns up close, I was like, actually, no, that looks fucking good. So it was one of those movies that I think obviously is a little bit of its time in that regard. But for the most part, it does visually look good. And there's some brilliant effects later on. Like we start to go down this kind of like 
almost like Cronenberg body horror, almost like the fly in sections of this movie that I thought were fucking awesome. Yeah, I've got the the fly vibes as well a bit later on. Yeah, I thought it looked good overall. I thought none of it looked bad to me. I mean, the way it was shot is like the documentary style at the start and it sort of flicked between that and then it went into sort of real time in inverted commas. I thought it worked really well. Um, <laughs> there's a funny bit as well, isn't it? Obviously, we find out the prawns like cat food and the old vicar starts throwing cat food for them and they're, they're quite excited about that, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all the fucking things. Cat food. He's like, no, I'm just distracting them, and he's like, fucking launching it. And they all go like scrambling after it and everything. But um, it does take a pretty like dark turn, obviously, when they go into the shack and um, they find old Christopher and his and his Paul, isn't it? Paul who gets sort of like killed and everything, and he picks up that vial, that sort of container, and sprays himself in the eye. And his reaction is pretty good for someone who isn't actually an actor. He's just friends with the director. I thought he did a bloody good job because it goes in his face, and he's like acting all startled. So I turn the camera off and all that sort of stuff, and then it resets and it comes back to like live feed for the news so to speak and um he's kind of composed himself but i think he was actually a pretty good actor in it yeah very good and we we get sort of a brief uh sort of intro to the nigerians here they're doing some dodgy stuff they're doing a bit of uh cat food hustling aren't they with the prawns and they've got some interspecies prostitution going on which i don't even fucking want to think about to be honest it's just fucking weird because they're kind of walking past um the old warlord type guy and then he's like don't look at him don't look at him we'll just keep walking past keep walking past on the newsreel and everything but it's like man i mean that's i suppose in a way i mean i don't again don't want to like poke the stick at like you know south africa and all its issues and that but when you look at this movie it's just typical human behavior isn't it if we can exploit something we will that's just what humans do isn't it we're fucking disgusted in that way and from top to bottom if someone can fucking make a buck or you know get over on someone or like do something regardless of what happens to the other person. We'll just fucking take any opportunity, really, um, for the most part, won't we, as a sort of society? Yeah, it's quite sad, isn't it, really? The fact that, you know, we exploit tragedy and and things like that. It's just the way humans are. It's just, it is quite nasty, really. Um, I mean, we see some... Um, we don't really see it, but they do some sort of... Uh, alien abortions as well don't they and old vickers gets quite excited like, oh yeah they, they they pop when they explode like and the eggs like explode and that so they're kind of doing these weird abortions as well which is a little bit sick yeah because like, oh sound it sounds like popcorn doesn't it and it's just there mm. in the background like going to pop 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 type thing it's like fucking weird yeah and then he finds that fucking gun doesn't he it's strange as well like you said there and I don't know, I think the synopsis said it as well. <laughs> the prawn, like, one of them's called Christopher. It just doesn't sound like an alien name, does it? Um, but there we go. And um, he finds that fucking gun. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's fucking huge. Like some out of a bloody video game. And obviously, I know that's where Blimcamp gets a lot of his ideas from. And you know, nothing wrong with that. But um, it's probably some of the fucking um, designs he had from the Halo movie left over. But they mm. sort of make the point down to the MNU among other things, obviously, as a weapon manufacturer, and they keep saying, like, the prawns, they're quite good at making things, and they make all these guns and weapons, but no fucker can use them because you need the alien DNA to use it, so they're obviously confiscating all the weapons because they don't want, obviously, a war to break out or anything, but really, they just want the fucking... bit like Alien, isn't it? You know, like the um, whaling Yutani, they want the aliens so they can make a fucking gnarly weapon out of it so they can do whatever they want to do, so it just comes back to that whole kind of greedy corporation structure. You always get that in these films, though, don't you? Every single film where there's aliens, we just want them for research, and it just seems to be the case. 
Um, and then when he first goes and he, he, he finds Christopher, CJ and whatever the other guy, the other prawn's called, I do like it when he, um, he gives that kid a sweet, he just fucking chucks it at him. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> so now, Wickis begins mutating into a prawn, starting with his left arm injured after the fuel exposure. He's immediately taken to the brutal MNU lab, where researchers discover his chimeric DNA grants him the ability to operate prawn weaponry. Uh, that is biologically restricted to them. Wanting to capture this human-alien hybrid before Wickers fully transforms, Smith orders Wickers' body to be vis- vivisected and harvested for its profitable properties. Wickers, however, overpowers the lab personnel and escapes. While Venters forces, hu- forces hunt him, a smear story is broadcast, one that reaches Wickers' wife and Smith's daughter, Tanya, claiming Wickers is wanted fugitive who has contracted a con- contagious disease from copulating with the aliens sorry there's some crazy words in there and i was all over the place but yeah as far as to say he starts turning into a prawn and this was quite amusing because um he sort of like he starts sort of puking up doesn't he while they're on the kind of um the compound still and then on the way home he's like oh i really need something to eat so they stop at this fast food restaurant and they're like oh you sure you should be eating you've just been sick and then all this like weird fucking black ink starts fucking pouring out of his nose yeah, and this is um, where you said about the fly, and it is, isn't it? His fingernails and that start coming off. And um, <laughs> there's a bit where um, he goes home, doesn't he? And they've, they've arranged this party for him. So he's, uh, is it due to his promotion or something? I wasn't really quite sure what the party was all in all about. And he comes in, he's like, hey, baby, I may have cut up my pants. As he comes in, and they're all fucking like trying to like obviously celebrate with him and hug him, and like he's like no, and then he ends up being sick over the cake, doesn't he? All that black ink comes out. Oh, it's fucking hilarious that because all the lights are off. And he's like, oh baby, I think I cracked my pants, like you just said then. And she flicks the lights on, they're like surprise, and I'd be like, oh man. And then he's like keep constantly going, like oh, I need to go, I need to go to the toilet. And everyone keeps like grabbing him and hugging him. It's like come on, give the man a chance to fucking have a shit at least. <laughs> We've all fucking been there, to be fair. Um, and apparently, there's a bit here I've got in my notes. The prawn heart cures diabetes was one thing that was brought up when um, they're going on about the properties of the, of the prawns. I mean, come on, I'll, I'll have a go at that. I'm a diabetic, so I'll have a go at a prawn heart if that's what it does. Yeah, I remember that um, being said in there because they're talking about like the Nigerians and they do like all kinds of like voodoo and stuff, and they believe that like drinking the blood of like the fucking prawns and stuff and eating their body parts will give them their kind of like alien powers, so to speak. And that's apparently they've like formed some kind of medicine out of it, which again, is always that kind of exploitation, isn't it? Let's just kill everything and see what we can do with it. Yeah. And then obviously his arm starts turning into a prawn arm. Um, and then they take him away. They virtually fucking zip him into a body bag, don't they? Just drag him off like he's fucking already dead. He's only zipped up and off he goes. Yeah, because he's he's in the fucking hospital, isn't he? Like he's because he's hurt his hand, obviously from this is how he got the exposure. So it's in like a cast, and the guy's kind of cutting it off. The doctor isn't he? Goes, oh yeah, aches a little bit. Then his big fucking claw thing comes out. And he's like, ah, fuck, what the hell was that? And fucking waving <laughs> his fucking arm, arm around. And then it's fucking horrible. I mean, it's kind of very Robocop again. That Verhoeven thing where they kind of they realise that he's kind of merging with the DNA, and they have him strapped in that fucking chair. They're getting in the fire, the weapons are tested, and because he won't do it, they keep giving him like electric shocks and stuff. That bit was really fucking gnarly, I thought. Well, it was really well done, actually. Obviously, he's really not into it, is he? He's like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. And obviously, they're making him shoot like fucking, I think it's like a pig or a cow hanging up. But then he has to shoot a live prawn, doesn't he? He's like, this, he's done nothing. He's, you know, he's innocent. Why the fuck have I got to shoot him? And they make him shoot him, and the poor fucking prawn just explodes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's fucking grim, isn't it? And there's the fact that then they have him strapped to the table and everything, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's at the perfect stage now of, like, DNA mix, so to speak. And it's like, but if we wait too much longer, he'll turn into one of them, and we won't be able to benefit from his DNA. So they're going to vivisect him, as it said there in the synopsis. But it's his fucking father-in-law, isn't it? And he's like, no, no, don't. Please don't let him do this to me and, you know, tell my wife and stuff. And he's just been an absolute arsehole. And he's like, yeah, yeah, take him away and slice him up, and I'll deal with my daughter. And he's just like, oh, yeah, he got sick and he died. And he's just pouring her a whiskey and fucking telling her. He's a complete arsehole, isn't he? Another thing I've got here is, like, they find the um, the vial that exploded in his face. He's still got it in his jacket. Um, I don't know. I guess he, he might have kept it. It just seems a bit weird that he's like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's the, the thing. And they, they find it. He's still got it. I don't know. I maybe would have put it down or just thrown it away, but he seems to still have it. Well, yeah, considering he's come back and, like, you would have thought he'd have turned it in without evidence and all that, you know, all the stuff they kind of confiscated. But since then, he's sort of stuck it in his pocket. He's gone to his office. He's gone home, shat his pants, puked on a birthday cake. Now they fucking found it. Like you say, you would have thought he just handed it in while he was at the office, but there you go. Yeah, it's always a bit weird that he still had it. And then he goes absolutely fucking mental and escapes, doesn't he? Yeah, I think um, this sort of escape scene, and like, again, like the way some of this is shot, the action sequences are really good. Like, for um, again, I don't know. I, I know Bloom Kemp from this movie kind of onwards. I'm not familiar with any of his earlier work. So. Whereas experience or what movies he might have done prior to this, but he shoots an action scene really well. He certainly does, yeah. I'll give him credit for that. So now Wickis takes refuge in District 9, finding Christopher and the spaceship's concealed command module dropship underneath his house. Christopher explains to Wickis the confiscated fuel is crucial to his plan of reactivating the dropship. And if he can get them in the dropship to the mothership, he can cure Wickis. Wickis attempts to acquire weapons from District 9, Nigerian arms dealer. Obsikanjo, I think that's his name. He wants to eat Wickus's alien arm to gain alien abilities. Wickus, however, seizes an alien weapon and escapes. So there's sort of another chunk there. This is like kind of like a chase scene, and he's sort of hiding out and doing all kinds of things. And obviously, District Nine is the one place he goes to because he thinks they won't look for me here. And there's a bit that I find quite funny. He wakes up and he's obviously hungry. And there's like some random, I don't know dude and he's like selling i don't know just diced up meat to the prawns who are like obviously like shantytown people and he comes over and he's like oh i need some meat have you got a hamburger he's like does this look like a fucking hamburger store to you well that'd be quite funny it was quite funny didn't it i mean he he ends up eating cat food doesn't he there's a bit as well when he's sort of on the run i think just before he gets to district nine and he's got a blanket that wrapped around himself he looks like a fucking jedi doesn't he he's in this this burger shop and uh, they're like I think it comes on the news about him being like a, a fugitive and they recognise him and he properly kicks off. So like, just give me a fucking burger. And he's like desperately trying to fucking eat a burger before he runs off. Um, and then there's a, a scene. He's sort of hiding in this long grass and the MNU are looking for him. And it, he's not particularly well hidden, but they just don't notice him. I was like, that's a bit of fucking shit, really. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit flimsy, isn't it? There's, there are a few weak bits in this. And again, the villains, I don't know if it's just like looking at it with like a modern day lens. Like we said, again, going back to the whole Robocop thing, I'll keep coming back to it. But like Clarence Bodiger and stuff, we used to say, we're like, you know, they're just evil, horrible people, aren't they? Like with no reason whatsoever. They just happen to be complete assholes and just despicable people that makes them such good villains. And like, the corporation in this, and then there's like the kind of the main sort of henchman guy, the sort of one who looks like kind of Ross Kemp on steroids. He's like sort of hunting him in that, and he is just a complete and utter prick 
but again with like no kind of backstory he just seems to hate wickets and is just a complete asshole to the prawns and just one of those guys that's like yeah i just can't wait for him to die because he's just an absolute asshole with no real kind of explanation for why he's like that he does look like ross kent <laughs> right um yeah he's an asshole isn't he i mean <laughs> there's a bit as well his wife phones him and obviously her dad has told him about Vickers and that and lied and it's quite fucking savage isn't it she's like yeah he's like I just want to hold you again she's like yeah well I don't want to hold you anymore and I thought fucking hell that's quite harsh isn't it he's going through all this shit his wife's now completely fucking mugging him off even though it's not really his fault um, but one thing I did think his fucking mobile batteries lasted quite well I mean, I know mobile phones back then, the batteries did last for days because it didn't really do much, but his mobile never seems to die throughout this whole film, does it? It doesn't, and he seems to get a signal no matter where he is. It's <laughs> one of those old shitty phones where you still have to stand there holding it up in the air like a fucking makeshift Statue of Liberty sometimes to get a signal to send a text. And there's a bit later on where he's like down in some shack and he still manages to get the fucking signal through. It's like, all right, mate, what phone are you using over there? Yeah, it's quite impressive, isn't it? Um and he chops one of his fucking prawn fingers off, doesn't he? And then the choppers are out all looking for him. That's when he wanders into old uh, Christopher's shack and sees all his equipment and realises shit's going on. And then they just chuck him into the basement, don't they? They do. And that's when they sort of start to figure out. He's like, what's all this doing under here? Because there's got a news report earlier that said something fell off the ship when it first arrived. And they searched for months and no one could find it. It turns out it's a module of some kind, like a little escape pod. And it's under his house and that's what he's rebuilding he wants to go back to his ship and this is the bit that um i most thought and probably for you too there's the sort of star warsy bit where they just seem to have a huge conversation and christopher's talking in fucking i don't know prawnish or whatever he speaks maybe boys just talking normally but they seem to completely understand each other and i was trying to think like so can they understand each other because he's turning into a prawn or is it just like a really bad out of context thing to speed the movie along yeah i kind of thought the same thing because he he's like literally answering what Christopher's saying to him and I'm like well he's just making click noises and if it wasn't for the subtitles I'd have no idea what he's on about there's no even inkling is there it's not even close to like a language we'd we'd recognize um yeah it's a bit strange I don't know maybe it is because he's he's changing who knows I mean speaking of the changing there's a quite a gruesome bit isn't it where he's like he's fucking back and all that's pretty much all messed up and he just fucking peels a whole lump of skin out of his stomach, doesn't he? He just chucks it away. He does, and it's fucking grim as well. And it's really good effects as well, because it looks pretty kind of like co-turlingly realistic, um, for lack of a better term. And this is where his fucking wife calls him again. And now suddenly she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't actually believe my dad and all that sort of stuff. And she apologises to him, which is nice for him. But obviously old Ross Kemp's hacking in on the call, and he sort of like traces where his mobile phone is. But it's like, well, just a minute ago, you called him up and said that you fucking hate him because he's been shagging aliens. And now you're calling him up and saying you love him. It's like, change it, you know, make your fucking mind up. <laughs> Here's my next note, actually. His battery's still getting strong. His wife calls him <laughs> and then says she wants him back. Um, but obviously the m are listening. Um, I'm going to ruffle a few feathers here. She's a woman, I guess. She's got entitlement to change her mind. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> he fucking he gets this prawn weapon, doesn't he? And he starts shooting some fucking Nigerians. It's quite funny because... It kind of blasts them off into the distance every time he hits them. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, that was pretty good, actually. Just before that, like, he sat there when he's still in Christopher's um, place and Christopher's, like, son's there, isn't he? And he keeps holding his arm out and Christopher's like, oh, he likes you. 
because he thinks you're the same as him. And Wickers, or Vickers is just kind of like, fuck off, I'm not the same as you, to this little kid and sort of storms off. But um, yeah, yeah, then he goes to like the Nigerians because obviously they need to storm the MNU to get that that fluid stuff or whatever it is. And um, tries to buy weapons. An old matey boy in his wheelchair tries to cut his arm off. And like you say, he gets out big fucking hairdryer weapon and start shooting him and they're fucking flying off in all directions. The guy in the wheelchair doesn't seem to give a shit, does he? He's not like worried that he's got this big fucking cannon pointed at his head. He's just like, I want that arm. I'll chase you down and all this sort of shit. He just doesn't seem that bothered. He's <laughs> pretty chilled out about the whole thing, isn't he? He's seen all his guys getting fucking shot to shit and he's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so where will we on the next bit? Yeah, so now that's where they um they sort of start storming the fucking um camp, isn't it? Like they actually go into the MNU and they sort of get in there fairly easily, I thought. Like they just kind of like one of these big fucking laser weapons, they kind of blow a hole in the door and they go down into the lab and they find the, the fluid fairly easily. But old um Christopher, he sees the um what they've been doing to all the prawns when they capture him, doesn't he? Like experimenting on them and doing all kinds of gnarly shit. And he just kind of stands there and everything's kicking off around him with a big firefight and he's just staring at the dead bodies. Yeah, indeed. I think the um, the synopsis sort of says that in a minute, bread roll. So now, Vickers and Christopher force their way through MNU to the lab and retrieve the fuel. However, after seeing the barbarous experiments MNU has performed on his people in the lab, including a dissected pool, Christopher tells Vickers he must return home as fast as possible for help and cannot undo Vickers' mutation until he returns in three years due to the limited supply of fuel. Enraged, Vickers knocks Christopher down and attempts to fly the module to the mothership himself, but it is shot down by Venter's forces. Venter captures Vickers and Christopher, but the um, Nigerian gang ambushes the MNU convoy and seizes Vickers. So, yeah, as I, as I said, obviously, this is the bit where they sort of go into MNU and it all kind of kicks off and we get that usual kind of their unlikely allies, aren't they? And then they have a falling out, but then they quickly kind of fall back in again and then they get fucking kidnapped. So that's about as far as it goes. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes almost a little bit Hollywood now, doesn't it? Sort of between now and the end. We've had that kind of docu sort of style thing where it's been cutting around. There's been a few news clips and that. And now it it kind of just turns into a, I wouldn't say a full on Hollywood movie, but it does kind of get a bit action based now. Um, and as you said, they seem to get into m and pretty fucking easily. And then they find that tube. He's like, oh, here it is. They didn't really look very hard for it, did they? <laughs> No, because he's like, oh, yeah, look over there in anywhere that might hold a tube. It's like, where else are you going to fucking look? Um, and he's sort of like looking in some of the bloody trays. And then, like you say, it's just in a random box right in the middle of the room that he breaks into nice and easy. But, um, yeah, it definitely does go Hollywood. And I've got to be honest, um, I really started to lose interest with the movie right about now because for the next kind of you know, hour, 45 minutes, it's pretty much just one long action sequence. There's a few bits that kind of break it up along the way, but it just just all comes into like one big kind of big action sequence. And I just kind of, I don't really give a shit about this anymore. All the interesting stuff's finished, but um, there are a couple of good bits along the way, but they obviously get caught by old, um, the MNU guys. And then the old bloody Nigerians come in and attack. So it's that typical kind of like two evil factions end up fighting over each other. And I thought at one point, this is how um, they both escape, but they don't. Old um, Vickers gets caught again, doesn't he? And old Nigerian bloke's going to try and cut his arm off again. Yeah, um, I mean, as well, there's, as the synopsis said, old um, Christopher gets a bit pissed off because they've been experimenting on the prawns. But, and I'm being funny, right? They've, we don't really know why they've invaded Earth. They, they're here. That's probably what, surely we would expect. We're going to experiment on them. They're, you know, a fucking alien creature. We're not going to go, all right, cool, we're just going to mingle with you. We're going to want to know what they're all about, aren't we? So it's going to happen. 
Well, that's it. And it's like, um, I don't want to go like all like Roswell and like X-Files with it or anything, but like from the footage we see, like they, the ship's kind of like just hovering. I don't know how the ship fucking hovers for 20 years, but somehow it does. It's an alien ship, so we don't need to know about this sort of thing. Um, but it shows like at the start, like the humans cut their way in. That's when they find all like the aliens are kind of like malnourished and everything. But it's like, they come back, they bring them down to Earth, but you never see anyone wearing like biohazard suits or setting up like a containment feel because they could have all kinds of like parasites or diseases and all that sort of stuff they just kind of get brought down to south africa and um they just kind of pitch their tent and that's it like you say it's like, of course we're going to look into it because there could be something we should be concerned about the movie just doesn't really touch me in that way no i mean if we if we invaded mars or you know whatever then you'd expect the martians to fucking experiment on us i mean i'm not saying there's life on mars there probably isn't but i'm just using that as an example so yeah, I don't know why he's so shocked that we you know we're doing shit to um to his friends and whatever. But um the gun that old um uh Vickers gets though, the the prawn gun's pretty fucking cool, and it? it just makes people explode. I thought that was pretty gnarly. Yeah, like kinda of like fires lightning. It's almost like the Emperor from Star Wars has like got his own fucking <laughs> gun. He like shocks people and he just explodes and uh, yeah, it's pretty good because even old fucking um I think it's quite funny. It comes up in subtitles, but the first time he uses it, even Christopher turns around. He's like, "Fuck, what was that?" Sort of thing. It's like, "But what are your guns? You made it." Yeah, exactly. I mean, Vickers isn't really having a good time, though, is he? I mean, he's got all this shit going on now. The Nigerians have got in, so they're probably even worse than the fucking prawns. What they're going to do to him? Well, yeah, because for them, it's like they're kind of like knowingly doing it because they're humans. They kind of know what it all is. But obviously, they even make a point at one earlier on in the film, which I thought was pretty good. It's like you know causing a train wreck or starting a fire might just be like fun for like the aliens but on earth for humans obviously it's a disaster type thing so you can kind of understand there's that kind of like cross understanding but the fact that obviously humans are just dirty bastards and how he's going to try and fucking cut his arm off and eat it it's just like for fuck's sake you're having a bad day mate yeah he's well up for eating his arm isn't he he's like <laughs> i'm just gonna fucking eat it and gain your powers so meanwhile cj remaining hidden in the dropship remotely activates the mothership and a large alien mechanized battle suit in the nigerian's base the suit guns down the nigerians and vickis enters the suit and rescues christopher from the mercenaries heading to the dropship the two come under heavy fire and vickis stays behind to fend off the mercenaries buying time for christopher who promises to return after three years and heal vickis to leave after all of the mercenaries are killed Benta finally cripples the suit and is about to execute Vickers when slum aliens attack and dismember him. Christopher makes it to the dropship with CJ. The dropship is levitated via a tractor beam back into the mothership, which leaves Earth. MNU's experiments are exposed, and the aliens move to a new camp named District 10. Tanya finds a metal flower on her doorstep, giving her hope that Vickers is still alive. Vickers, now completely alien, is shown in a junkyard crafting a flower for his wife. As I say, like a few bits happen here, but it is just one long action scene. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong; it looks good, and that mechanized suit's pretty badass. It has a bit of a kind of Ed Two Hundred Nine Titanfall type thing going on, but this is just one hell of a long fucking fight scene. Yeah, this is a bit that stuck out in my mind, and I remember when I first watched this, I wasn't too keen on this whole end scene, but I must admit, watching it earlier, I did quite enjoy it. I mean, it's pretty fucking be- uh, brutal. The Nigerians are getting obliterated, <laughs> getting like fucking pummeled and exploding left, right and centre, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> That's so fucking random, because this mech's got all these quite crazy weapons. There's a cool bit where they're all firing it, kind of has this kind of 
electromagnetic field that kind of catches all the bullets and throws them back at him, which looks cool. But at one point, he kind of like sucks up a pig and fucking throws it at someone and kills them with a fucking, just this random fucking pig that's like strutting about. Oh, I've caught that here, and I was like, is it actually a pig he shoots at him? But it is, isn't it? Yeah, like say, he sort of levitates his pig and just throws it back at him. Um, I mean, there's a sniper as well, isn't there? He's taking pop shots. He's got one head of a fucking sniper rifle, but he gets his fucking head caved in as well, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And again, I was thinking that it's always the way, and it's like the good guy getting like some bad suit, and he'll go on like a bit of a good run, and then there's always like some heavy that comes and gives him a hard time. Case in point, the fucking sniper turns up. Like I say, he doesn't last that long, and um, I knew he didn't die at the end. I did actually remember him turning into a prawn fully at the end of this movie. I don't know why I remember this after like ten or fifteen years, but I did. Um, so I wasn't worried about the fact that he was going to die, but yeah, they obviously do that whole build up to old Ross Kemp coming over and about to fucking shoot him, and then all the prawns jump out and just tear him apart, which is, again, is pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, but as we've said in all these films, and it happens again in this one, old Ross Kemp, or whatever his fucking name is, he's got him there, he's got a fucking gun to his head, and he has to do a speech before he fucking no, shoots yeah. him. And then obviously he gets his comeuppance while he's fucking rambling on. It's just like, it happens every time, doesn't it? Why don't you just pull the fucking trigger? It's that typical fucking Bond villain thing, isn't it? I'm going to sit here and tell you my entire fucking plot. But what I really should have done is just walked up, shot you, gone home and had a cup of tea and I'd have been safe. But now they sit there fucking flapping their gums, don't they? Every film we've reviewed, this kind of happens, doesn't it? Yeah, I wonder if like all these people who write these scripts these days, you know, if it's just lazy writing or they're just all doing it as kind of a nod to James Bond. It's like, let's have a villain with a really cool plan, but he's so fucking stupid he's going to sit there talking about it and get killed. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. One <laughs> or the other. But yeah, it happens every time. I mean, the synopsis says there, like, obviously, old um, CJ and Christopher, they they fly off in their ship, which they do, and then everyone else, all the other aliens, move to District 10, and it kind of wraps it up, doesn't it? Like, some of the people that were with um, Vickis at the start in his team, they were saying, oh, yeah, we hacked into the computers, we exposed it all, you know, whistle blew on um, MNU's business and all that sort of shit. And then you see, like, obviously, the flower from the, the wife and then him in the junkyard. And I think there was supposed to be a sequel to this movie, and it just never happened. Because old Blimkemp, he did like Elysium, um, Chappie, and a few other things in between. But yeah, this movie was apparently going to have a sequel. So I assume it was going to be Christopher coming back and sort of like healing him three years later or something. Yeah, the sequel was talked about quite a lot, wasn't it? Um, as you say, it never really happens. I mean, it's quite quite nice. He, he makes that, that flower, and obviously um, his wife gets it and everything. She's still got some hope there, so... It was definitely left open. Um, I would have quite liked to have seen the sequel, to be honest. would have been interesting to see what they did with it, because I thought Elysium was a good film, and Chappie was okay, but it was ruined by having fucking Die Antwood in it. Um, it was two complete bellends, and they kind of... But that's Sigourney Weaver and um, Hugh Jackman were really uh, amazing mullets, so it's worth watching just for that, if nothing else. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen either of them, to be honest. Oh, well, anyway, that's the, their movies for another time. So um, that pretty much brings us around to the end of uh, our look at District 9. So time to give this one a score. And as it was JT's choice, why don't you take it away? OK, Redroll, yes, I will. So one thing I will say, obviously, we'd only ever seen this film once until we watched it for this review. Um, but it is good to see it another country, you know, South Africa. We don't see that in films. It's always the US, the UK... So it's good to see another country sort of getting the the forefront there. And I thought old um, Charlto Copley, apologies if I butchered your name, um, I thought he was excellent as Vickers. I mean, unknown as far as I was concerned. I mean, he's a bit of an arsehole at first, but then you kind of end up rooting for him in a way because although he was a dick, 
you know, some of the shit was thrown upon him. It wasn't really his fault. And I thought the effects, as you said, in the main are good. I thought the CGI in that worked really well. And I didn't think it had aged that bad at all, considering this film's, what, nearly 20 years old now, 15 years, whatever it is. Um, I like the way it switched from documentary to sort of Hollywood. And yeah, there are a few cheesy moments um, here and there. I don't really think it spoiled it, though. I thought it moved along at quite a good pace. Um, and as I said at the start, it could be seen as political with the whole South African thing and the immigration and whatever going on there. I'm not sure if that was the agenda, but it's kind of there, but I'm not reviewing it for that. Um, so originally, I thought about giving this four others because I did really enjoy watching it earlier, but dissecting it a bit more of yourself there, I'm going to give it down, going to put it down to three others, but a very strong three others. I really enjoyed watching this again earlier. Um, I think it bridges that gap between sort of Hollywood and the sort of indie film. It does it quite well, um, although it did obviously have the Hollywood sort of production behind it, I guess. Um, but it's quite gritty. It's quite cheesy in places. But I would really like to see just it 10, the, the sequel that they've talked about, which is probably never going to happen now. But I would quite like to see where this would go next. So, yeah, very strong three others for me, Brother. I did really enjoy watching this again. What about yourself? Oh, good stuff, JT. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie, like we've said before, like two or three times now, like about 15 years ago, like 14 years, whatever it is, saw this movie when it came out on Blu-ray. And I've always remembered it, but for some reason, I've just never gone back to watch it. So I was looking forward to going into it. And um, it starts off pretty strong, you know, um, all that sort of like found footage type stuff, the newsreels, and I really liked it. Um, it's a good twist, I think, on the the kind of first contact genre, because that's kind of what it is. It's our first contact of aliens, and it kind of takes a poignant look at, like, probably how well, our governments and our, you know, the fucking societies and our species probably would react to such a thing, you know. And in some ways, it's I, I agree we'd be obviously a bit cautious, but in other ways, it just shows that we just try and exploit everything like we usually do. Um, the visuals, as we said there, um, really good for its time, I think. Definitely high-end CGI for the most part of its day, and it even still holds up today. It even looks better than some of the shit we get from all the big fucking movies that have millions of fucking dollars in their budget and all just look like grainy sacks of shit. So um, I think it was used the right way, the visuals, and there was a good mix of um, practical effects for the, like the body horror stuff, and then obviously some good CGI for like the more action Hollywood bits and pieces that have flitted between. Um, so yeah, looked really, really good. I do think the end fight just went on a bit too long. As I say, about the halfway point in this movie, I did start to just lose interest. Um, pretty much when he goes back to District 9, I was just starting to, I don't know, just wasn't in entertaining me as much. I wanted to stick with it because I remembered a few other bits that were coming up. But I've got to say, as much as I've kind of remembered it fondly over all these years, watching it again, I didn't enjoy it as much as I expected to. And maybe that's because I was expecting to enjoy it. I built it up too much in my own head and I was you know, let down a little bit by it. But... Um, yeah, that whole action scene at the end, although it's really well shot and it's really gnarly, it just fucking went on and on. And I was just like, fuck me. Um, this is just starting to feel a little bit lazy now. Um, but overall, I did kind of enjoy the movie, mainly because of just, it was just different. It was a different look at sci-fi. It was more original. I liked the kind of design of the prawns. They looked pretty cool. And again, all the body horror stuff I'm always into. Um, but the actual movie itself, I wasn't enjoying. And at one point, I was going to give it two others, I thought, no, that's just not fair because it is a good original concept. It's shot really well. I think he did a great job. So I'm going to go the other way from JT. We started at four and went down to three. I know I tend to give a lot of films three these days, so I'm being lazy. But I'm going to go from two, but I'm actually going to put it up to three because it is a well-made movie. 
it just didn't entertain me as much as I was expecting it to the second time round. So three others from me, JT. Oh, good stuff, Pedro. Yeah, I mean, I, I went down a notch, you went up a notch. I, I actually really enjoyed watching it again earlier. More than, I wouldn't say more than I thought I was going to, because I thought I'd probably like it. Um, yeah, I think I was probably being a little bit ballsy with four others. But yeah, I think three each, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, definitely. It's um, definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it. Obviously, it's available on Netflix now. Um, but yeah, definitely worth checking out. It's um, entertaining in its own right. So uh, yeah, give it a spin. Definitely. I, I think just for old, um, what's his name? Charlotte Copley's, or whatever his name is, his performance, I thought, as Vickers, I thought he was brilliant, to be fair to him. Yeah, I mean, he's in the other two. He plays a villain in Elysium, which is worth watching. And um, that was the one that came after this. And then he plays Chappie, which is a motion capture um, performance. He plays a robot called Chappie in the Chappie movie. But um, yeah, he seems to have stuck with old Blum Kemp. And why wouldn't he? He clearly does the business in his movies, doesn't he? Indeed, yeah. So there we are. That's our look at District 9. Let us know what you thought of um, our scores. Do you think it was uh, just? Do you really like this film or do you hate it? Do you have any thoughts on it? Get in touch with us at the Hyperbaric Goats on X. And join us next week as we're going for a movie. And I've been wanting to review this. Well, get your thoughts on this movie for a little while. And it's just suddenly popped up on Netflix. Just in time for spooky season. As it'll be the 1st of October on our next review. Or the 2nd by the time the review actually comes out. And this is the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. And it's just come up on uh, Netflix. Um, So, yeah, going for that next week. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, I've never seen it. I don't know if I've seen the original Evil Dead. So, yeah, I'll give that a go. Not normally my my thing. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm quietly confident that you'll enjoy it. Just, well, I'm not going to give too much away, but I'm hoping you enjoy it. It's only an hour and a half long, so it's right in your wheelhouse as well. So, uh, yeah, there we go. A, a remake as well. Normally we go for the originals because we're snobby. But, yeah, this one is what we're going for next week. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I look forward to that one. So there we are, Evil Dead next week. And as always, thank you very much for joining us. And this is Bread Rolls signing off. Over me, JT. I've just got one last thing to say. I would never have any pornographic activity with a fucking creature. Ah, Bread Roll, I tell you what. We've done all 64 episodes of Only Fools and Horses. We've had the summer off. We've still got the movie podcast going on, but these, like spin-off ones doing all these episodes i think i'm done mate i'm absolutely done with these what do you reckon yeah man i was thinking the same thing i mean we've done the greatest show of all time there's not really anything else left to do is there i mean who's that get over there with the funny hat on oi mate we're just talking i just said we're done we're done when i say we're done